This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International, or PSI, warm line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, sweet thing. This is Rowan with Preggers Can Be Choosers. I'm one third of the group here in Houston, Texas. I'm the licensed midwife along with Mary Bratcher, who's our student midwife and massage therapist and Dr. Blythe Two Sisters, who is a licensed psychologist, and our mental health director. This is our weekly offering, the Afterbirth um, Fourth and More Trimester Support Group. And if you're pregnant, we want you. If you're thinking about getting pregnant, we want you. If you're postpartum, seven days or seven years, we want you. And especially right now as we record this, we're on the end of the first wave or possibly in the middle of the first wave or the never-ending wave of COVID-19. And we're just in here together navigating and negotiating and loving each other very much. So um, I'm Rowan. I was at a birth on Friday night. It was great. I had a newer staff member who um, was new and jumpy, but uh, it was great. And I hadn't been a primary midwife at a birth for almost a year. Like I was accidentally the primary midwife at a birth around uh, on New Year's Day because I was a doula and I was standing in the right area to catch the baby. But um, this was a, the first birth that I've managed with a first-time mom, and uh, she did great. But she def- very definitely, she transferred into the birth center at 32 uh, weeks because she did not want to have a baby in the hospital. And she was very, like, you know, she didn't know anybody who'd had a home birth or out-of-hospital birth, and so it was all new for her. And at the last, right before transition, she was like, so nobody's taking me to the hospital. And I was like, if I... You know, if we do that, you're gonna be so pissed at me because you're gonna have your baby in the parking lot. And everybody says this, almost everybody in transition says this, no matter what they're having their baby. If they're in the hospital, they'll say, Stop this, I'll come back tomorrow. So it just changes like kind of the first statement, but everybody wants us to stop right now. And uh, you know, thirty five minutes later she had a baby in her arms. And it was a triple nuchal cord, so it was a little bit exciting, but we did fine and everything's fine and um at one point they asked me, why is the baby crying? I was like, well, the baby's breathing and the baby's looking at you and the baby's not crying because the baby's not upset because we had a real chill birth and I'm not worried about this baby and I'm listening to her lungs and everything is good. And she goes, I can't believe I just did this. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all the people she FaceTimed were like, I can't believe you did that. And she goes, mm-hmm. And this was the father's third birth, but her first birth. And he goes, I'm never having a baby in the hospital again. This is the best. He goes, thank you, Ro, <laughs> which is not really my preferred nickname, but I, I let it go. Okay. So that's me. I'm doing great. And uh, I'm happy to see all you guys. So I'm going to mute myself and then uh, go ahead and uh, introduce Hey, I'm Stephanie. I am a stay-at-home mom of two. Uh, we currently live in Baltimore. We are we are moving. We um, have started packing. Uh, we started taking things to the storage locker. We have a settlement date of Friday. 
with instructions to transfer utilities and change our address. So um, this is actually probably the most prepared I've ever felt for a move, given that I've done this 17 other times. You would think that I would know what to do, um, but I'm excited because it's our last move for a very long time. Um, it's been pretty hard on the girls because everything in the apartment is changing every day, like even every couple of hours, moving boxes around, packing stuff away. They're starting to like get upset because they think that we're giving away their stuff because we've talked about like donating things and stuff like that. So they're a little bit on edge and uh, we still have four weeks of homeschooling left. Um, her teacher knows that we're in the middle of moving and Lily is over it. She does not want worksheets. She just wants to play games on the computer, which we have been like free for all screen, screen time because of moving and packing. Like we need to be occupied doing things. So it's a very different climate in our household right now, but an exciting one. Hey, I'm Caitlin. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and my business started picking back up now that people are going back to work. Um, it, had it had pretty much gone to nothing for a few months there, and all of a sudden it picked back up, and I pretty much sold out of everything I had made in stock um, in less than a week, and so now I've got more orders rolling in, so I'm excited about that. Um, we also got a bunch of Chicks and Keats, uh, Guinea Keats. Um, which we're super excited about and our kids are super excited about and we're doing okay. Hey, I'm Adila, mother of three and pregnant. I'll be 36 weeks at the end of this week. Um, I no, there's like so much happening. We had we had this like let me just tell you this quick story about a possum in our backyard that came out in the middle of the day. And I was like, oh, this possum's sick. Something is wrong. And he was. He had like flies all over him, and the poor thing had like some wound in the back of his leg. And uh he was like falling and oh, it was just it was really pitiful. It was really awful. And I really for the first time, I like wish I had my 22, which is at my dad's house. So I just took it out of its misery. Um, and it was, of course, over Memorial Weekend, and like there were no wildlife people that could come help us. So they were all closed. <laughs> what do our taxes pay for? I was kind of like, what's happening? Um, and my city husband was not going to go take care of it. He was freaking out about that thing in my backyard. Um, but anyways, I had to, we had to just like leave it die. I felt so bad. It took like two days for it to die. And um, our neighbor offered to come over and beat it. And I was like, no, don't do that, please. Um, and my poor mom, she was like, can't you give it medicine? And I was like, mom, I don't know. Like, this is just life. You know, something got it. And this is the cycle of life. And 
you know, all I can do is put some water out there for it. Anyways, it was really ridiculous. Sorry, I'm gonna hold on, kids. Who's every next to go? Hey, y'all, I'm Dr. Blythe, and I have a dog right here, <laughs> um, Coraline. So I just uh, got off of a training for three days, and I still feel a little hungover from it. Um, I like the word hungover to describe when we're like kind of dazed and confused after doing stuff. I actually don't drink, so hangovers traditionally don't apply to me like other people. But I just took this training called Brain Spotting, and um, it was developed by this uh, kind of a rad doctor, um, Dr. Grand, who actually came onto my training because it was a virtual training. And usually you have to be trained by him um, later on. And, um, but because this is COVID and we're doing these online trainings, he was able to attend. I took a training with 90 people. It was the biggest Zoom uh, conference I've ever attended where there was pages and pages and pages of people. Um, but it was really good. The only thing I didn't love about it is when you do brain spotting, you don't really get to decide. You can decide what the activating event is like that you want to work on. You're like, what do you want to work on today? But we don't decide where it will take us because it's in the brain. It's locked in the limbic system in like the non-speech area and the emotional area of the brain. So it comes up with that like there's no way to predict that. So I've felt kind of like, oh shit, sorry y'all. I didn't want to drop bombs in trainings. You know, I try and keep it light. Like, oh, it's really irritating when the trash man doesn't come. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, and then this thing happened. But it was like, oh, this thing happened. Um, so that tells me we can get to stuff and uncover it and maybe heal it or move it, move it through. Um, but I still feel a little raw after that. So helping people with stuff like that, helping with my own stuff. Um, but I'm really pumped about it. I think it's going to make a huge difference in my practice and helping people move through trauma. Um, and we're also talking about how COVID-19 is a global trauma and we are all hands on deck preparing for that to um, help people. And so like yesterday, Rowan and I were out, um, which I'm never out, but it was my Mima trip. So we went and got an IV yesterday. Um, and this lady was like really shitty to us. And I was just like, had this sense of compassion for her. Like, oh, you know, like, hey, I think her IQ was kind of low. So I was just like, oh, her, you know, IQ is kind of low and I just feel bad. And um, I just had this compassion for her. Um, and it's changing how I look at people, which I think is kind of special. Like when people are jerks, I'm like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, come over here, you little bitch, I'm going to kill you. I was just like, oh, wow. You know, that's not really rational. She's saying. <laughs> so dude, um, it was anyway. epic. Let me let me give you the better play by play. Okay, so we're in the car. I'm in my sister's fancy doctor car. I'm backing up. We have a backup camera and it got close to this other lady's car, but we have a backup camera, right? And so she's sitting in the passenger or the driver's side of her car and she beeps. And I'm like, uh, and I was trying to like just get in a small spot or whatever. So, but I have the backup camera. I know, you know, and so she gets out of the car and I was like, hey, we have a backup camera. And then she said, you almost hit my car. And did you want to pay for my car insurance? And I was like, two words, one finger, motherfucking bitch, you know, like bring it over here. Cause I can be like that. It was not my best moment. I got to admit. And then she's yelling stuff and I'm like, you know, holding myself back, but almost yelling out the window back at her. And so then Blythe goes, Dr. Blythe goes really like chill. She goes, 
Hey y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk, afterbirth style. Well, what she said was really fourth grade and kind of something that somebody who was either having a traumatic moment or somebody who like is not super high cognitive and, you know, let's just have compassion for her. And I was like, huh, okay, you know, but I thought, first of all, burn. And then second of all, you know, like it was real, like just emotionally dissected, like just really detached and dissected and like really chill. And I was like, God, okay. Where I was like, bring it back here, sister. I'll show you what's up. Two words, one finger. And then she yelled, fuck you. And I was like, fuck you. I guess you know that. And I was like, okay, okay. My sister, well, obviously she doesn't have high cognitive functioning from what she just said, or she's in the midst of trauma and we should just have compassion. I was like, oh, way to role model. Ugh. So that's what happened. Yeah, so there you go. It's already better. And that's the person I want to be. I want to be the person that's like, oh, but I know that COVID and like being forced to be home and not be with my people and, 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 and has put me more in my fourth, fourth grade person. So taking this training was able to like give me a reset and also be with 90 other providers that are like, dude, we all need to just buckle in and prepare for the global trauma and the trauma response. So um, I'm still healing my business from the weekend, but I am ready because they say like, start now. They're like, use it, use it now. Call yourself a brain spotter and like we have to do consultation, et cetera, et cetera. But it's already on. It's happening. So. There you go. That's my update. Hey guys, I'm Bev, mother of four. Um, I'm having a hard week and I'm having a lot of anxiety. Um, and it's like one of those, a lot of times when you like have a hard week or a hard few days or whatever, it's like, um, you don't really expect it. It's just like one day at a time. It's like, oh shit, today was hard. Oh shit, today was hard. But like this week, it's like, I know every day is going to be hard because there's like appointments every day and like lots of shit going on. And like, I'm dreading every minute of every day that's about to come. And so, um, I just like really want to get through this next week and, um, get it over with. So. My son, who uh, previously had COVID, just got retested today. Um, very traumatic. <laughs> His nose was bleeding afterwards, just many tears, and I had to pull over and console him for like 10 minutes, and then, but we got a slushy, and he's watching Pokemon now, so I think we're good, but um, he has a tonsillectomy in two days, so... And then just other stuff going on, just lots of stuff. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah, so my cat, Kibu, actually took him to the vet on Thursday. And um, he is on the mend. He's no longer needing his thyroid medication which is great because the doctor said that his body's starting to heal itself. So his thyroids are evening, evening out, I guess. Um, and then his skin is like kind of getting some pink back to it, but he still has yellow. So he's still got like a liver issue and pretty much you just got to keep up with the supplements and his diet, like giving him like this high metabolism, high protein kind of food. 
Um, and the vet just said that once he starts like eating like he normally did, the amount, then you know he's better. And so he gave him like a month before he fully recovered. He's lost a lot of weight though, that's for sure. Uh, but he's on the mend, so I think it's good. The, the only thing that sucks is that he's losing like hair and like he's getting patchy and so it kind of just sucks like seeing him stressed like that, I guess. And then last night was the whole thunder. Um, I don't know if you guys got the storm, but it like stormed really bad uh, over Katie and storms always make him stress um, even more. So he like slept under our bed the whole time. Um, but he is doing good. He's doing good. Um, what was I going to say too? Oh, I, I remember I talked to you guys about that whole Yoni steaming or perineum steaming. So I have my, I'm getting my kit in for like those, if they're cooling herbs and I'm going to start doing it at 38 weeks. And, um, you do it like every day for 10 minutes and basically, Wait, I want to, I want to jump in and ask real quick, um, for people who maybe haven't heard last week, mostly cause I haven't edited or put it up yet. Um, so the steaming is for what exactly is steaming and what is it that you're trying to accomplish at 38 weeks and why is this exciting and big news to us as a group? Yeah. So I, you know, I've always been into the steaming, but I've really just only my knowledge in it is really just for postpartum steaming and healing your body and your womb after birth, as well as like keeping a healthy period and fertility schedule and all of that outside of pregnancy. Uh, I just learned recently that you can actually steam during pregnancy, but with the right, you know, proper knowledge, education, and being with a practitioner who knows her stuff. Uh, and so they do this overseas. They do it in Europe and they do it in Asia, in like um, certain parts of Asia where they steam at like 37 or 38 weeks and you can steam for, to clear like your womb of uh, bacteria such as like uh, anything like um, strep so there are a lot of, there's a lot of steam for that. Um, they also use it to induce labor or to help with um, long labors or stalled out labors. And so basically the, the blend of herbs that I'm getting is to help me prepare, like preparing my vagina and cervix and everything else for labor. And it helps with circulating blood circulation with lubricating, um, as well as like ripening my cervix pretty much. And they're called cooling herbs. I don't really know what the herbs are, but I'll let you guys know. Um, and I do them every day for 10 minutes. And, um, and then you can switch to like what they call like heating herbs. Once you get to like 41 weeks, if you're wanting baby to come out, but I'm not really there. So I, I mean, I don't really care about that. So, and luckily I have a provider who doesn't really care much about that. Um, unless of course it gets to a certain point, but you know, my midwife isn't pushy. Um, and so 
yeah and then anyways i was talking with her actually and she was we were talking about the herbs that i was going to get sent by her and, and so i do this and then she's like i'm going to send you your postpartum herbs which are the same herbs that you can use to induce labor um and it helps like with the wound and healing and cleaning it out and blood clots and so forth and then she's and then after 30 days i get on another set of herbs that i steam for to actually keep my period at bay so my body can heal um and i was like what that's crazy like i want to know all about this because i've always gotten my period three months after birth with all my babies even though i breastfeed um exclusively it's just you know that's why I always say, like, don't rely on breastfeeding as a birth control because it doesn't work for everybody. Definitely didn't work for me. Uh, and, and so I'm really kind of was interested in, in learning more and, and knowing more about those herbs after your 30 days postpartum and, and helping your body um, stop from, you know, being fertile, I guess, in a way uh, so that you can recover fully from birth. And so yeah, anyways, that's that. And I'm also having hot flashes, which really suck because I've never had hot flashes before. They're like night sweats, and I'm getting it like all in my face, and it just, I just I hate it. Um, but lucky for me, this the this I, I was talking to this practitioner about, it and she was saying that the herbs that I'm actually getting for postpartum or prenatal helps with that too. It helps like my kidneys function and be able to take in water properly and things like that. So. I'm excited for that because I don't like hot flashes. I know that you gave us the link to that practitioner before, but can I have it again? Um, where I was keeping notes for last week's podcast got it. It's gone. That's just a short answer. Yeah. It's gone. So if you um, put the link in the chat box, then I can find it or you can say it out loud too or both. That would be helpful. Yeah, I actually, I, I put it on the Facebook one, but, um, and here, but she's a practitioner, her name's Chantel, and she's over in Dubai, um, and her, I think her company name is Honored Womb Services, but it's on the um, Facebook. And for those of you who don't know, we have a Facebook after party group. For those of you who are on Facebook or do Facebook or just keep it for the group access. So that's where um, sometimes we'll post our follow-up links and stuff like that in there. And I'd forgotten that. So thank you. So that helps enough. Bev, let's check in with you about um, your daughter. You were talking about how she was um, telling you what was going on, some of her internal dialogue, has that gotten better or worse or the same, or how are you with that? Uh, yeah, so she has an appointment on Friday um, to see a neurologist who she's already been seen by them before. They're actually the ones who diagnosed her, um, but they have to see her again in order to um, refer her out to some kind of therapy. Um, I haven't brought it up with her again. I just, I haven't felt like the timing was right. And um, I know that 
a lot of that stuff is going to get brought up in the appointment anyways. And I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I've been fighting with myself whether I should bring it up before the appointment, but I did let her know, you know, the, the doctor is going to ask you some questions like what we were talking about the other day and she seemed okay with that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very anxious to get her in somewhere to be seen by a therapist who like, you know, specializes in this. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, I'm still feeling really anxious and I feel like that's not really gonna go away anytime soon. Um, so yeah, I have, we had the COVID testing today and then tonsillectomy on Thursday and then that appointment on Friday. And this afternoon I have to take my seven month old in to see her pediatrician because she's having some weird discharge happening. And yeah, it just feels like this like never ending shit show this week. Got it. Got it. Well, um, thanks for keeping us in the loop. And I know that you're, and you, you and your family are certainly on my heart. So folks, I thought we would talk about the school and kids and what we're going to do now, now that school is wrapping up and is anybody going to keep their kids home? And then, I mean, like, as we move into the idea of somebody maybe going back to school at some point, and then it occurred to me that if like kids are not going to be able to go into school or, you know, it becomes a long-term thing that parents are coached on how to teach their kids at home, then is school district stuff even going to matter anymore? Um, and this is said as somebody who doesn't, hasn't noticed or thought about school districts in a very long time. So just checking in. And I know that um, Tiffany Joy had started a little bit about how Lily was like, you know, forget it. But I don't know, just thoughts about school and how's it going and are there going to be changes or just, I'm just throwing it out there as a topic because I see that mentioned by some of my peers who have kids. So, Our uh, son's school just had a huge conversation about this on Thursday. Um, here in Texas, they are allowed to reopen for the summer semester. So they opened today. Like they started accepting kids again today. We originally were going to send the kids through summer. Um, that was back before COVID. Um, and we are choosing to keep them home for the summer semester while they kind of figure out what protocols work. Um, but they are changing a lot of, like, the way the day-to-day -day actually happens. Um, and it's, I mean, they are not requiring the kids to wear masks, but, like, all of the adults will be wearing washable smocks. They're changing out a lot of the fabric mats that they do work on to vinyl so that they can be cleaned. If a child chooses to read a book, that book is out of circulation for three days. You know, another kid is not allowed to read that book. Any materials that they use, they are either having to buy more of so that they each have their own set, or um, like there's a new routine that instead of putting their work back on the shelf, um, they have to put it in a place that it can be disinfected. Um, lunch boxes, they're asking if you can do a, some kind of hard-sided lunch box instead of a fabric one um, because they have to sanitize everything before it comes into the classroom. And it's, um, it's a lot, you know, because 
this our school is a Montessori school and they go from infant through middle school. So they're trying to figure out what works best for that range of ages, which is very different and they all have different needs, right? An infant needs things like diapers and bottles and all of those things. And they have to figure out how to sanitize it all before it comes into the classroom with your child. Um, so it's been interesting kind of because they are actually communicating with us how that school is going to change and how it's going to be run and that the kids were going to have to change their own normal routines within the classroom that they've known for however long they've been at that school. So um, I don't know what they'll do for public school, but I can't imagine it's going to be any kind of easy transition or easy anything. And it might be that we end up having to purchase uh, more individual supplies instead of buying 24 boxes of crayons for the class. We're going to have to send one each month for our kid or something. You know, I think it's going to change um, really drastically. And I think there's going to be a lot more plastic and metal um, materials that can be easily sanitized. So I've seen a lot of stuff going around on Facebook, which I don't pay a whole lot of attention to because you never know what you can trust and people are just sharing like random memes with like, you know, misspelled words and um, <laughs> everyone's like trusting these, what do you call them? I don't know, memes, we'll just say that. Uh, with like these facts that the CDC is giving about how school is going to be. And I'm just like, you know, whatever. So everyone's like throwing this huge fit about how hard school is going to be um, once they start back up. And I feel like it's like people are just going to complain no matter what. Like if school wasn't going to start back up, people would complain about that. But now they are and they're trying to take safety precautions and everyone's like oh this is so traumatic for our kids and I'm like you know what's traumatic for our kids staying the fuck home every day like and not being able to go anywhere so it's like you can if if they give everyone a choice to you know either stay home and do school or go back to school I think that would be great um personally I don't know like I feel like I should be saying no I'm not sending my kids back to school but like where I am mentally right now I feel like yeah I would probably do that and I see that they are like taking a lot of precautions I think they're talking about um like staggering the times that kids go in and then come out and just like Caitlin was saying just so many things are are about to change um and I think that just the way we decide to handle it is what is going to be traumatic, I guess. I don't know how to say that properly, but um, my kids haven't been doing any school. I mean, we haven't, we gave up on school a long time ago. And I, I don't feel bad about it at all. Like I'm getting emails from the school, like, hey guys, it's almost the last day of school. And I'm like, I didn't realize that. Like we haven't been doing shit. Um, none of us can handle it right now. So I don't know, as far as like, if they open up in the fall, um, 
I have no idea what, what I'm going to do, but as of right now, I feel like, yeah, I'm probably going to end up sending them back, but, um, yeah, I'm, I feel, I feel for all the teachers right now, um, especially because like thinking about going back to school and like everything they're going to have to do to like keep our kids safe is just, um, it's going to be a lot. Being a teacher is already like so fucking hard. And then like adding all of this on top of it, I can't even imagine. So that's my thoughts. I think I'm also kind of like um, a little bit where Bev is. is I'm uh, wanting to put my kids back. I only have one kid in school, so it's not like I can put them all in school. <laughs> but with this like birth coming up I, um, and having all the children at home with the newborn is freaking me out and giving me a little bit of anxiety about what the future holds. Um, I mean, like, the whole, like, you know, oh, my God, everything's going to change. Like, things are changing. Things have, things have been changing for, you know, three months. Like, I'm in it. I'm, by now, I'm okay with it. It's, like, this is just the new norm, like everyone says. Um, and maybe it's, you know, personally, because I've lived in different cultures and countries, and it's always a change when I move and I adapt and you know, um, whatever you got to do, just got to do. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I hope they take precautions and obviously I'm sure they will because they're schools and there's a passion there for children and their education. Um, but there's, I just know I'm, I'm, I can't do homeschool at home. Like I could barely do homeschool now with like three kids. There's no way I could do homeschool with a newborn you know, um, and my husband going to work. He's, luckily, luckily for me, he's able to work from home this whole time, and that's, like, their plan until the end of June, and then they're going to revise and see, like, if, it, if they're going to come back into the office, but, I mean, even with him at home, it's not like, you know, yes, he, he helps, but at the same time, he has work, you know, he needs his job, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I have family that can help, which is great, too, but, I don't want like everyone picking up my child's education. You know, I just think that that would, it would confuse her and styles. Like we all have different styles of teaching. My husband and I have way two way different styles of teaching our daughter. Um, and so sometimes it's good for her to be exposed to that, I suppose. And you learn like what her style of learning is. Uh, but she does really good in this public school. Um, and I know, you know, half of that of course is upon the teacher but, um, yeah, I do, I would think I would be putting her back into school after the summer is over. And even like right now, I'm thinking about what activities can I get her in right now? Like both my kids, like both my older daughters, like summer's here. They need to be like doing activities. I feel like, you know, like what can I get her into that or both of them into that'll help stimulate their brains and, you know, exercise, but still be safe. Right. And like my husband and I were talking about like the pool, like does chlorine kill COVID? <laughs> like is chlorine safe? I don't know. You know, and I gotta look into that. I have no idea. Um, 
it's uh, the sun does. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what can I do right now? It's the summertime to teach my kids something new. We just got them bikes. So that's like something fun. They can learn how to ride bikes this summer. Um, you know, I really want both my kids to learn how to swim this summer. I mean, my eldest kind of does, but still needs assistant, but I would like them, you know, to not need that assistant. Um, and so all of those things are kind of running through my mind of how can they be productive, have fun, um, and learn new things while being safe or as safe as they can be. I mean, to be honest, I kind of wish we all got COVID so that we could just be into it and worry about it anymore. Um, but I don't know. Um, so I recently learned that children are exposed to three to four times more people when they go to school because every child and adult that they interact with has a whole other family and people that they interact with. So um, Willow is supposed to be going to preschool. This is supposed to be fall of her first experience in school ever and she is so excited but now I'm realizing that putting her into a public school which is supposed to only be for a half day could potentially be more dangerous than her staying home until kindergarten which breaks my heart <laughs> I don't even know if you know that's a possibility for us right now because I really don't know what September is going to look like for us um, we live in a different state than y'all and, um, right now they just have said, you know, that the, the district has said that they're working on protocols for the fall and that's, that's all that's really happening. We have been loosely consistent with, uh, Lily's schoolwork. It has become more consistent once they started doing Google meets every morning. Um, but even so, we were told by the teacher that anything that they do at home does not count towards their grade. They can't legally count it towards a grade, which means that kids are either doing fine or they're falling behind. And that also means that they're just going to push them through to the next grade. So even though kids are getting you know, put into the next grade, they might not be academically ready for it. And that's a little, you know, scary too. Um, Lily's already reading books on her own. So I, I know that she's capable and able to do the incoming work for first grade. Um, and what that's going to look like, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that we will still send her to school because it'll be a full day of instruction in some capacity, they've talked about doing an every other day schedule. They've talked about doing like some weeks in school, the other weeks um, distance learning, which is what they call it. So even if she's enrolled in a school, she might still need to do distance learning at home. Um, it's a pain in the butt. Uh, and as for Barry, my, my husband's a teacher. so he's on, you know, the teaching side of this. And he is like, this is a breeze 
compared to what he was doing in the school building because all of the paper is eliminated. Everything is electronic. He can grade electronically. He doesn't need to haul papers home and then dish them back out to the students. Um, and he's able to, you know, prove that he's been working by doing classwork or sending out work. So, um, you know, for him, it makes his job a little bit easier being, you know, doing this homeschooling distance learning thing. But as the mom teacher, I don't really like it. And like Mama D said, like him and I have different teaching styles. So there's some things that I literally, I cannot teach Lily because I just get too frustrated or we don't connect on that kind of learning level that Barry has to do it. Um, and I, I don't really think Willow will be happy if she learns that she won't be going to school after all. Um, this is just something that I've thought about. I haven't discussed it with my husband yet. Oh, and the sun killing COVID. I heard on NPR yesterday, in, even in the early morning sun, it can kill COVID in about 10 to 15 minutes. In the bright midday sunlight, seven to eight minutes on any surface. I so totally wish I had a pool right now, you know, like, because I'm a consummate pool crasher. And so, like, one of the things I think would be great is um, I could totally get myself a side gig of going and teaching people's kids how to swim in their pool. Just letting you know, Mama D, if your folks have a pool, like, I might be available. Um, are you good at teaching too, Caitlin? Oh, you want me to come teach your kids? Okay. No, see, because I'm a pool crasher and I have been since my 20s, everybody's pool, they're like, well, Rowan's already out there. So go ahead and, you know, like swim, tell their kids. And I'm like, well, all these kids are out here, you know, since I'm out here all the time, it's like my fee is to teach the kids how to learn how to swim. I've taught so many kids how to swim. So like I'm seeing a resurgence if, you know, midwifery doesn't work out or whatever. Being a kudan on that, I can be a professional uh, pool instructor in the summer months. But, um, Y'all, here's the sweetest story. One time um, I was teaching somebody's kid how to swim and I was like, just jump off and I'll catch you, you know, cause I'm tall as hell. And so like the water was like maybe five and a half feet deep. So I could like stand in it with my head above it and hold my arms up. And, and this girl, she was um, the niece of somebody I was seeing. And uh, she goes, are you sure you're going to catch me? And Rose, my daughter was walking by and she was about like 15 at the time. And she goes, if Rowan says she's going to catch you, she totally will. She always does what she says she's going to do. And I was like, oh please let this always be true. You know, it was like one of those moments you still remember, like, you know, it was 15 years ago or something and I still remember it. But anyway, so um, that's good news about the swimming and stuff because I'm still really wary. Like um, in my profession as a body worker, we're not supposed to do out calls. It's completely forbidden right now. Um, you know, like if you, anything happens, your insurance, you'll lose your insurance if they find out. Like it's only, and there's like this ridiculous, it's almost like the um, list of things that, you guys do for school like you have to do an open up and a massage a high volume massage establishment and like where mary and i work we work out of the birth center right so in days that i'm not on call for births like i'm seeing or that i'm not being the clinic midwife i'm still doing like prolapse work and rv go and spinning babies and stuff and we like have a light that we scan over everything and we like squirt everything and um and in between midwifery patients, like when I do clinic, I thought like the medical system was going to kill me it was so strong the fumes in there like even through the the you know the um even through our mass, the alcohol smell was so strong. I was like, okay, maybe less squirting. Oh yeah, and we have like a high-end um, air filter in our room. 
in our uh, clinic space, um, the massage room that Mary and I use. So, like, I know that all sorts of industries are um, struggling how to make this work, right? And I know it's going to be different, and I know it's going to be, um, you know, like Bev said, traumatizing either way, right? There's always going to be something that's going to be scary or whatever. And we're adapting. It's almost like being in a war zone, right? Like, you know, things are changing, information is changing, responses are changing, what we perceive as safe is changing, and then, you know, re recalibrating. So um, there's just a lot going on. Um, yeah. So I think outside activities are really where it's at. And I think, um, you know, Tiffany Joy, that's good, but you'll have a backyard soon. And then I think about all the people in New York who, in order to get to a backyard space or an outdoor space, they have to go in a very small elevator, you know, like get down through there and all that stuff. So um, I might be freezing out. I'm going to stop my camera. I will share an article that I read from NPR, and it tells you, like, the top 10 summer activities and their uh, their risk if it's low, medium, or high. And like you said, everything that's low risk is outdoors or in the sun. And on my little Mima drive yesterday when we left the house, um, because it was Memorial Day, like I just kept noticing all the social closing and I was like oh like I don't know how to spell that because it looks like closing but it's like social closing social closing social closing and all these yahoos not wearing a mask and social closing and I was just like oh shit so I'm ready to see a spike happen again and um you know just like even outside we still need to be mindful we still need to wear a mask we still need to you know be compassionate human beings and people who don't wear a mask, I think are, are misinformed or don't care because they don't get it that they're, you know, I had this huge fight with my husband. I was like, you're the problem. When you don't wear a mask, you are patient X. Like you are the exposer, you know, you are the toxic goo of the society. And he was just like, Oh, I was like, you know, um, so people just don't seem to get it or don't want to get it or whatever. And it's just like, how hard is it to wear a mask? Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's irritating. You know, poor dentists and surgeons have been doing this, you know, their entire lives. Um, but it's a real simple thing to do. And then just even outside, like I wear it while walking my dog and I've gotten a little lazy, like when I'm walking the dog and there's no one around, I just kind of have it hanging off my ear around my neck. And as soon as I you know, pass someone or even see someone, I put it back on. Um, and we live on a busy street. So when I walk down my street, even though there's no one around, I'm wearing it just to role model. Like, yes, Dr. B, who lives on Polk Street, is still going to wear a mask um, because I want people to see mask wearers, you know. So um, just kind of thinking about all that and social closing. So stop it, everybody. <laughs> I was thinking like, uh, at least, I don't know if these people are like watching what other people, what other countries are doing over the, in the world um, and how they're handling quarantine. Like in Malaysia, you cannot go out of your house. And I, like my, my business was kind of like put on hold with my, um, with my inventory stuff that I like get from Malaysia because she couldn't go to the fabric store. Like she just, she couldn't get it mailed to her. But like everything was put on hold. Um, and so we're really lucky to get things like still mailed to us, like Amazon Prime. And we're over here, you know, I, I mean, even I'm complaining about how like, oh my God, my two day shipping is now like six days. 
um, because they're overwhelmed. But uh, even in Singapore, so it was like Eid um, for us over the weekend. And um, we did like a Zoom chat with like everyone in Singapore. And uh, they were saying how like they have like guards um, who were standing outside of like complexes um, being like, you're not, you know, making sure that families, big families aren't going to see each other to celebrate. Like it's only people who live in the household that are doing it. You know what I mean? Um, anyways. Um, and in Russia, my husband and I were talking about how they have like a tracking device on people who are COVID positive. Um, and so if you go out, it's like you have a code that you have to type in. Um, and so that they can track like where you're going um, if you leave your home so that I guess to control like if there's a spread, you know, they know where it came from and they can like follow it back um, to that person and, and know wh what stores or what stops they made on the subways and things like that, which, you know, like that's, that's pretty extreme, but I don't know. You got to do what you got to do, I guess, to keep your people safe and they make those decisions. I guess as uh, far as Rowan says, I'm sorry, Rowan's uh, frozen, so she's texting me, and she says, has anybody gotten the antibody test, um, like the blood work or the, the they have like a, a rapid test now, it kind of looks like a pregnancy test, but we were talking to the lady yesterday at the IV place, and she says that the majority of those are not FDA approved, there's only like 12 companies that are FDA approved for testing, and so she's just like the validity of those little quick tests are, are pretty poor um but i think the labs like if you get it blood drawn and sent into a labs like we know that maggie had the antibody test but i was curious if anybody else had the antibody test or was planning to get that uh, my niece is a pharmacist so she's been working through this whole thing the whole time and a lot of people in her work were just going to get the antibody test just to see. And she said that um, she's negative, but typically the antibody test will test whether or not you have the antibodies, whether or not you have had COVID in the past, and um, whether, I guess, whether or not you're positive. She said it tested for three things, but um, she came back negative. So even though she's been in this hospital-like setting and face-to-face -face with a lot of different people who are getting medicines, she still was negative, which is a good thing. Does anyone know like how much that costs? We got a fax from Path Group, which is the lab that we use at the birth center um, through Preggers Can Be Choosers. And they said that um, due to the CARE Act that it is supposed to be free. And so I know that in our meeting last Thursday, um, Mary was supposed to be kind of reaching out to Path Group to follow up and make sure that that is true um, before we send it off. Um, and we also can get like a cash rate, a cheaper rate for preggers. But um, so stay tuned. Hopefully I'll have some information and um, can post that in the group and then maybe mention it next week. So, but it's rumored to be free um, or probably relatively low cost. The 
IV place that we were yesterday, they would do the rapid testing thing for $120. So it was like $120 for a rapid test that's not FDA approved. And you, this retired OR nurse is telling me is probably crap. I was like, no. So I 100% suggest doing the, the blood draw um, and then shipping it in, you know, so we'll find out. I guess the last thing I wanted to say was like for all of us to remember that our kids are going to react to anything new based off of our own reactions. So if we do send them back to school and we're like, oh, this is such a hassle. Like, why are we doing this? They're going to think the exact same thing and portray that the same way. Um, at least my little mockingbirds are going to do that. Um, so I think it's just something to be mindful of is that Yes, things are going to change, but the way we present it and the reason we present it, the way things are going to change is going to make a huge difference for our kids, even if we think it's the most annoying, stupid thing in the whole world. If it's policy, then I want my kids to not be going to the principal's office for not following policy from something I heard, from the way I re responded. That is a totally excellent point. You know, I never really thought about how kids didn't realize why they didn't go back to school after spring break or why they weren't seeing their friends. Like they just were, especially the little ones, you know, like they were like friend, 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 and then nothing, you know, until we talked about it a couple months ago, right? So kids process all their information through adults and not through words, by the way. The words that we say only match our behaviors. So we have to do our very best to stay calm and peaceful and then lay words on top of that. So when we're not calm and we're like, everything's okay, like that is weird for kids. They're like, but it's, you're not looking okay. So like, this is very complex and I love that we're all here to lean on each other and to be supportive and a non-judgment space to just be like, oh yeah, that was a shit show. So that's a good point, Caitlin. Well, my computer just told me it is 12 o'clock. So, and Rowan texted me a thing saying, wrap it up. <laughs> um, does anybody have a topic for next week that they want to talk about or just keep rolling? Okay, looks like keep rolling. If there is a topic that does pop up, um, go ahead and post it in the group um, and maybe tell us that we have to look there. <laughs> um, I'm not on Facebook a whole lot. I get on just enough to populate Dr. B and then get off. I'm spending a lot of time on TikTok, by the way because it is fun and humorous and uh, still trying to learn how to do the Polly Pocket shovel dance. It's probably never going to happen, but it's a good pastime for me. So, well, let's all unmute ourselves and tell each other we love each other and we'll see each other next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Love you all. Love you guys. Bye. Have a good week. <laughs> okay, bye. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers.rocks. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.